So hello everybody, it's Michael Collins here again from travelmedia.ie and also the Dublin Mice Meetup. On screen, you can see beside me, I have Ken Lyons. Many of you in Ireland will know Ken very well. He is currently director of KL Communications, a Dublin-based marketing and sales agency. And Ken is also into year two of a three-year stint on the board of directors for Site International. So Ken, thank you very much for joining us. Great to see you again. It's been a while. It has been a while, Michael, and thanks for having me. And uh, a lot has happened since we last spoke, that's for sure. Hasn't it, Justin? I think that's the idea of these mice conversations. It's a chance to catch up. It's the, um, the uh, I suppose, on the side coffee chat or, or uh, bar chat that we would have at IMEX and all those other conferences that we're so used to going to. So it is very much the idea of these mice conversations. So we've known each other a long time. It must be about seven, eight years now since... Um, we were running events ourselves at the Westbury Hotel, and that's where you were based. So I wonder if you can just bring people up to speed on what you've been doing over the last number of years and what you're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely, Michael. I remember well our our, our meetings in the gallery of the Westbury, uh, organising some great events at the hotel. But uh, yeah, quite a lot has happened since then. Um, I was uh, director of sales at the Westbury right up till the middle of 2016 and then decided to, to go out on my own um, and set up KL Communications. So that's in its fifth year, which I, I can't believe when I say it out loud that it's uh, it's almost five years. But um, the idea behind it really was I, I, I was looking for the opportunity to, to do more within the mice industry. Um, and I felt that under my own company, uh, I'd have greater flexibility and work with many different clients uh, around the world. And that's what I've been doing. Uh, primarily, uh, most of that time was spent collaborating with um, Ovation Global DMC, which, Michael, you and, and many others will know uh, a big global a DMC. And I've been working successfully with them for, for several years. Um, but I've also had the opportunity to do um, sort of more ad hoc projects during that time, uh, you know, whether it's a speaking engagement, whether it's working with, uh, you know, uh, the likes of Tourism Northern Ireland. Um, so it's been really varied, uh, really exciting, challenging. And then, of course, you know, March 2020 happened and, um, you know, a lot has happened since then that yeah. none of us could have expected. So I wonder if you could, I mean, as I mentioned, when we discussed uh, running this MICE conversation and, I mentioned that, you know, I spent a lot of time over the last year talking to convention bureaus all over Europe and all over the world who normally we would work with but can't now. And they're all, the first question they ask is always, what's happening in Ireland? What's happening around the world? We've all, you know, got used to working from home. I'm guessing that's your home. I see Paddington behind you there. Um, oh, we're, we're... My trusted buddy, my trusted buddy, yeah. But the first question I ask is, one, how are you, Michael? And two, what's happening in Ireland? How, how are the PCOs? How is everybody? What, what's going on? Because we've all been living in our own silos and bubbles. So I wonder if you can maybe just tell us, you know, how this has affected you as a company running your own business now. And, you know, what, I suppose, signs of light maybe you're seeing or how are things are, are developing? Yeah, no, absolutely, Michael. You know, ultimately, it's been tough. Uh, it's been tough for everyone, but in different ways. You know, a temporary stop has been put on on the industry and on the work that we do. And I think, you know, we often forget that a lot of the work that's been postponed in terms of travel programs and, and, and global events, they've been years in the planning. So people have seen all their hard work over several years suddenly being put on hold. So without a doubt, it's been tough. Um, for myself, uh, you know, I, I made some 
pretty considerable decisions uh, early on during the global pandemic. Uh, the the work I was doing with Ovation Global DMC uh, that came to an end because you know at the time there wasn't a huge amount that could be done in terms of what I traditionally would do. You know, I, I wasn't in market. I wasn't face-to-face with customers. Uh, and at the same time, a DMC's business has been completely put on hold and all those programs have either been rescheduled or cancelled. So I, I, I took a bit of a bold step uh, and decided to return to university um, back in September of last year. And the main reason behind that, Michael, was for for a few years now within our industry, I've been more preoccupied around how we do things and, and, and what's viable in the long term for our industry. And so the idea of sustainability has been kind of playing on my mind. I don't actually like that word, but anyway, um, I'm never happy, Michael. You know that. Um, uh, but the, the idea, the concept around sustainability has been on my mind for, for several years. And so I decided to you know, take, uh, take, take action. And um, I've taken on a, a higher diploma in sustainability and enterprise with University College Cork, which has been just an incredible eye-opener. Uh, and a wonderful learning experience. You know, the the caliber of the, the lecturers at the universities just is really high. And the program itself takes a, a transdisciplinary approach. So I'm looking at sustainability from so many different perspectives, which I find fascinating. Areas I'd no prior knowledge in, had no idea how they worked, whether it's our energy systems, whether it's to do with chemical engineering, you know, I, I just no knowledge and now i'm getting that a bit of exposure so that was that was the biggest change but what i found michael you know back to your to your point about people working in silos and you know individuals and businesses just not being sure how how to communicate throughout this entire pandemic like that has been a real challenge the the approach i took michael was that we're all people um and ultimately uh, a phone call uh, a catch-up chat, just asking how other people are, how they are personally, uh, and then of course, invariably, every conversation turns to how they are professionally. You know what's going on in their part of the world, what's going on in the company that they work for or that they own, and just gaining a, a bit of a, a greater understanding of of what's happening elsewhere. And it's, I've liked the approach. I think it's it's given me an opportunity to really learn what people are going through, but also to, to try and figure out how we are going to do business again once the industry starts to reopen. And, and, and you know, I'll have opinions on what I think is may happen. Um, others will have different opinions, and that's good. Once, we, once we're sharing them, once we're uh, having conversations around them, um, I think that's going to be really important because I don't think there's going to be any one solution to how business will look but what I find is that if people can just get a phone call in, if they can somehow stay connected, and I must say, I know I'm serving on the site, International Board of Directors, as you mentioned, but for me, site has been a lifeline. It, you know, ever since the pandemic kicked in, I'm here in Dublin. I have never been so connected to the global industry. Uh, you know, I'm aware and in touch of what's happening Um in different countries in Europe, whether that's Turkey, whether it's, you know, whether it's in France or elsewhere, um, you know, I can keep an, an eye on what's going on in the US and Canada, 
what's happening down in South America. It really has allowed me to stay so connected. And sight's been brave, I would say, Michael. Um, okay, and could you, you know, maybe just, I mean, I'd, I'd like to go back to the sustainability and diversity conversation in a second. But first, as we're discussing site, could you tell us what you're seeing in terms of, you know, being in that unique position two years into your time on the board of site? What, what is site doing internationally to prepare us as an industry to reopen? Yeah, um, you know, uh, Michael, I, I mentioned the, the word brave there, and that's that's the word I'd, I'd use for site. They you know, as an association, they realize something considerable has has hit our industry uh, that for most of us, we haven't experienced before. So they knew it was time to to experiment, try out new ways of engaging with our with our global members um, in terms of, you know, digital events, uh, our level of communications. We actively went out to the members and said, what do you need? We know that you know your business has been put on a pause what do you need and and people really said they wanted they wanted information they wanted to know what was happening elsewhere they wanted to know that somebody was advocating on their behalf so the industry wouldn't be forgotten about as you know all industries are are fighting for you know government airtime and whatnot um and then we just started really looking at what was happening on the ground like i'm amazed i'm you know, I'm here in Dublin. I still am within a five kilometer radius restriction that's in place. Um, yet that's not the same everywhere. So yeah. seeing what's happening elsewhere, seeing business and hospitality reopen and looking at how they're reopening has been really insightful. And like I'd spend quite a lot of time uh, chatting with people in the US and Canada. And if I look at the US, you know, Many parts of America are are traveling again. Uh, there's events happening. I just get so encouraged by this. You know, I, I'm 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 zooming into an event this evening, uh, which is taking place in Georgia, and that's an in person event this evening, and it will be their second. They had a three day event back in December. Now we could easily forget that that's actually happening in other parts of the world, but site makes sure we're staying connected. Um, there are concerns, Michael. There are concerns that there's been a lot of changes in staffing in in businesses. Um, you know, travel buyers are trying to see who is their point of contact uh, when they have an RFP. You know, is the same is their contact still in the hotel? Are the same people still in the CVB or the DMO? And that poses uh, concerns to the buying community and it poses challenges to the supplier community in terms of how they can best meet the needs of the buyers when business starts to return. Yeah, well, I, I know that we've, I mean, as a company, we've effectively rebuilt our entire database. There's so many people that have you know, disappeared, unfortunately, and, and, you know, they call it now the LinkedIn graveyard, where every day you see another old colleague, old friend who's, you know, unfortunately moved industry. Um, what, what can convention bureaus and buyers alike do to better help you know each other in terms of going forward like is are there concrete yeah. steps that you can see that let's take convention bureaus for the moment what can they do to help you know buyers let's let's start with ireland for the moment yeah you know i think there are, if you look at the change that's taken place over the last year michael i feel some of the, the most significant change 
uh, is happening within the role of a of a convention bureau. Um, I think they they've been there and they've been utilized by many, but I don't think the significance of what they can do was ever fully appreciated up until now. So I I do see convention bureau um with a more commercial hat on, you know, more proactive frontline, more engaged with with the buyer community. But then in terms of the people that they represent, the suppliers within their respective industries, there's going to be a huge scope of work there around education, how they can best support their industry to be ready for the return to business, keeping them updated, providing them with supports, whether that's financial, whether that's educational or otherwise. So I see a really interesting time for the Convention Bureau as we emerge out of of the pandemic and business starts to return. Interestingly, Michael, last year, um, Site ran a a digital event called Site Week. Really incredible, wide-ranging education uh, taking place over several days. And and it really... um, Create great engagement, but uh, I'd run a session with um, Joni Phillips, who's with 110, one of the big agencies based out of Minneapolis, and, and we did a session on the RFP process. And this has been an area that's been a bit of a bone of contention on my side for, for a number of years. You know, and I think the pandemic has really made it clear that we need to address the timeline for RFPs um, and the amount of time that's spent on them can we do it a little bit more efficiently um can we have more productive conversations at the outset between the buyer and the supplier um, or the buyer and the cvb in terms of what they need and how a destination can meet those needs um and, and so can we shorten the timeline between an rfp being issued and contracting a piece of business because ultimately the longer it takes and the more people it takes, the more costly it is. And if a lot of businesses don't have the same levels of staffing that they had pre-pandemic, or if there's pressure to deliver a program and cost competitively, anything that can be saved financially and time-wise during the RFP process must be a welcome uh, a welcome change, and and that's that's one area that I, I, I've particularly been focused on ever prior to Site Week last year, but particularly since the collaboration with Joni, because it gave me an insight into well, what does she need as a buyer, and what does her company need as a buyer, and I could see it then from the supplier side, and together we were able to to find common ground um, and look at real tangible ways of just helping that RFP process be that yeah. little bit more streamlined. No, it's a very good point about RFPs. It's something, you know, often they, they're scary when they come in. It's, you know, how much time are we going, how much time are we going to commit to this? Are we even going to commit to it? Um, and a good point about staff, you know, there's many agencies who've reduced to, you know, management only. Um, it raises another point, which is flexibility. You know, I've seen this in some of the events that we had planned for last year and this year in Ireland. And, you know, contracts now you know they've changed completely in terms of both the buyer and the supplier you know there's much more flexibility do you think that's going to be a standard or a norm going forward in terms of just complete understanding of the new realities and complete flexibility when it comes to contracts 
Yeah, you know, Michael, contracting has always been a bit of a, a thorny issue. Um, you know, whether you look at it from the, the hotelier side or, you know, um, the DMC side, particularly the DMC side. Um, but what I think, what, what I've seen since the pandemic kicked in is an unbelievable level of flexibility on all sides. Um, Can that go forward though, Ken? You know, Michael, it will to a certain degree, but we also have to remember the purpose of a contract. Um, you know, it is there to protect all parties who are privy to the contract. And, you know, in order to do that, there could come a time where an element of the contract is executed that, you know, doesn't sit as comfortably with one of the parties. But that's the trade-off. You know, like, I think there's been incredible generosity given by um, by both buyers and suppliers over the last year. While that flexibility will continue, I think there needs to be an understanding that if something needs to be evoked that's contained within a contract, it does need to be adhered to. Um, You know, I... Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'd say, Michael, it's it's not sustainable that a a business could work on something for, you know, 12 months, 18 months, etc. And then if it can't go ahead for whatever reason, that there isn't some sort of financial compensation to them. Um, I think where the flexibility will come is maybe in the level of compensation. But we have to remember, we we spent a lot of time drafting contracts and reviewing them and negotiating them. So you would hope that whatever is negotiated, all parties are comfortable with. And if it needs to be, um, you know, leveraged at some point, that all parties will agree to to what's in it because yeah, it's been know, negotiated. What, what, one thing we did was we had a number of contracts with a number of venues for events. And, you know, it was obvious those events weren't going to take place. But to, I suppose, maintain the relationship, we left deposits in place. And some of those deposits now have been there 12 and 18 months. But from our side, we saw it as, you know, goodwill, you know, leaving the deposit there to show that we did intend to come back when it was possible. And I think simple things like that have worked very well. Absolutely, Michael. You know, and and sometimes actually, I don't think uh, people realise that the benefit and impact that that gesture has, that retention of a deposit, just can really help a business keep going as we wait for for things to reopen. And I've seen some great examples of of deposit retentions for you know rescheduled programs. I've seen really great negotiations around the cancellation of programs, but people paying management fees so the supplier let's say the dmc working really hard with their suppliers and ensuring that you know they're taken care of as as best we can and then the buyer actually saying well actually you've supported all of your suppliers that you've contracted we also want to you know support you and understand that you know if we pay some form of management fee to you it will help your business and it will help maintain the relationship so there's been some excellent examples of collaboration and flexibility over the course of the last 12 months which i don't know i maybe would not have expected prior um and it's been encouraging to see and i think back back to your original question michael yes there will be flexibility um but I think there will also be greater focus on on what's in a contract that's being signed and an understanding that 
you know, everyone is clear of what those terms and conditions within that contract actually mean, because the likelihood of having to revert to contract at some point is is increasing. You know, the pandemic has shown that. So we can expect it to happen in some shape or form again. Um, so, yeah, that would be kind of my take on the, the contracting side of things. Can we jump back to sustainability? Obviously, you've used this downtime and the pandemic to go back to university and to study sustainability and diversity. Are you having those conversations yet? Are you able to apply that learning with your clients, with the broader mice industry, with SITE? And, and is there genuine interest on the other side to embrace that? So, Michael, this is a tricky one, really. You know, I would say different people are at different stages. Um, Different industries are at different stages. Um, As an industry, do I think we're leading the way? No. Uh, Do I think there's people who are committed to leading the way? Absolutely. Um, But there's a huge scope of work to be done. Um, We've got some great sustainability uh, ambassadors within SITE and on the International Board of Directors. There are some great individual examples across the globe. But with the with the program I'm doing at UCC, what I'm starting to realise, Michael, is that the changes that are going to become necessary over the coming years, I believe, are far greater than than I or anyone else would expect them to be. Um, and that's not something to be afraid of. It's just something to be aware of and then figure out, well, what do we do as, as an industry? And I've been very fortunate that I've, I've been exposed to and I've had great conversations with people from, from different industries. And they're giving me insights into how the change in their way of doing things could impact us. So you're just throwing out one example. Um, the idea of working on carbon budgets for our events is something that I feel could become a reality. It's not something I would have considered before, but that, you know, if you have a corporation who is on a mission to be net zero by 2030 or 2050, they will need to incorporate business travel and events into their carbon footprint. They come under the term scope three emissions. And so what they could ultimately do is go, well, events and travel are, you know, an integral part of our business. So they will continue. However, we need to account for them. So does that provide an opportunity for us as an industry to go, well, actually, if you run your event here and if it looks like this, here is a corresponding carbon budget for that program. And then they can account for that in their metrics. Um, so it's, when I when I raise this with people, they do think it's a little bit maybe maybe out there. But just based on the conversations I've been having with industry, I see it as as a real possibility. So that creates opportunities. Um, I, as I say, Michael, there's a huge scope of work to be done. Um, I think our understanding of sustainability, my own included, has possibly been somewhat misguided or maybe less than ambitious. But um, I do think the will is there. People have not been able to travel, Michael. The vast majority of people have not been able to travel 
for a year. And what we're seeing is how people have suddenly realized that maybe they were taking travel a little bit for granted. So travel's going to go up in people's estimation. It's going to have an even greater impact, positive impact ever before. And with that, I think comes great opportunity. Will some people travel less? Possibly. But will they travel more meaningfully? Uh, Will they spend more? You know, that's important for us as businesses in the industry. I would say most definitely. I think there's a huge opportunity um, to reposition travel events and hospitality and the impact it has on on people. Um, But we need to be prepared that we're delivering our businesses as sustainably as possible so more people can avail of what it is we provide. Very interesting. And I agree, you're not the only person I've spoken to of late who's gone back to university. So I think there will be many more people coming back to the workplace when we open up again with, you know, considered ideas that they've had time um, to reflect upon. Two quick fire questions before we finish up and we're, we're uh, at our time limit here, Ken. Um, for those uh, watching this internationally who are interested in the Irish market, can you, I know it's an impossible question, but what's your instinct? Is it going to be this year or next year before you see things open up again, not only just domestic MICE events, but international events? Do you see it short-term or long-term? It's going to be next year. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that this year is more or less a write-off, for, for want of a better uh, phrase. Um, but I think it, it, it will pick up next year. I, people have seen that face-to-face plays such an important role in their business. They'll want to get back to it. People want to be face-to-face. Um, mm. I know we've had digital solutions, Michael. Uh, they're just not the same. Uh, but I think when we look at vaccination rollouts, when we look at you know government policies, et cetera, I think for corporations, next year makes more sense to delve back into international. With that said, there might be a small level of domestic mice activity um, towards the latter end of this year. But for Irish businesses to be uh, going international, it's going to be 2022 and And beyond. And then a parting word, are you positive or pessimistic going forward, having all of us been through this? Do you think we've handled it well as an industry? Um, And do you think we've taken the time to reflect? I know you have, but are you positive or pessimistic about the future, specifically Ireland? overwhelmingly positive um, you know Michael as you know I'm never fully happy and I've uh, a full acceptance that there's no such thing as perfection so no one country or one business or one person has done everything perfectly but what I'm seeing is this has been the biggest opportunity for our industry to really think about how we do things what we do it for and um, what the benefits are and is the potential to maybe make changes as we start to reopen. And for that, I am overwhelmingly positive. Thank you, Ken. So that ends our MICE conversation for today. Today, we've been talking to Ken Lyons, who is Director of KL Communications based in Dublin, a marketing and sales agency, and also Site International Board of Directors. Ken, thank you for your time. Great to talk to you. Great to see you. And hopefully we'll get to see you in person very soon.